0: Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Live Daily News Report. I'm your host, Haley Gilley. In addition to future reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news and the show starts with a look at California agricultural news.
1: Early registration for the 2024 Crop Consultant Conference hosted by Progressive Crop Consultant Magazine and Western Region Certified Crop Advisors is now open. The popular event for Certified Crop Advisors, Pest Control Advisors, Grower Applicators and Industry Professionals is the mainstay for all Continuing Education needs this year and will take place on September 25th and 26th at the Visalia Convention Center. Visit MyAgLife.com events for the early discounted rate of $275 per person which includes the live conference, a trade show with 70 plus exhibits, first class dining, entertainment and a mixer we'll see you there.
0: The California Department of Food and Agriculture announces three vacancies on the Feed Inspection Advisory Board, FIAB. This board makes regulatory and enforcement recommendations to CDFA to help ensure that commercial feed inspections contribute to a clean and wholesome supply of milk, meat, and eggs. FIAB vacancies are for three commercial feed industry representatives. Board member applicants must hold a current California commercial feed license. The term of office for board members is up to three years. Board members do not receive compensation, but they are entitled to necessary travel expenses. Individuals interested in a board appointment must submit a resume and a completed prospective member appointment questionnaire. The PMAQ is available on the CDFA website. Both the resume and the PMAQ are due by February 29, 2024. Send resume and PMAQ via email to brittany.williams at cdfa.ca.gov or by mail to CDFA Feed. Fertilizer, and Livestock Drugs Regulatory Service Branch. Attention, Brittany Williams. 1220 North Street, Sacramento, California 95814. Seven counties in northern and southern California remain under ongoing quarantines in a battle to eradicate and stop the spread of four different species of invasive fruit flies that agricultural officials say could wreak havoc on California farms and hundreds of crops. The Oriental fruit fly triggered quarantines in parts of Santa Clara, Contra Costa, Sacramento, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties. Portions of Los Angeles County have been under quarantines prompted by findings of the Mediterranean, Tau, and Queensland fruit flies. The Queensland quarantine largely affects areas of Ventura County centered around Thousand Oaks. While two or three quarantines pop up in the state during any given year, the current ones are unprecedented because of the sheer number of flies found, said Ivan Godwin, Deputy Agricultural Commissioner in Contra Costa County. In an average year, the state typically detects around 75 fruit flies. In 2023, findings topped 800. I think those statistics tell the story, Godwin said. All the quarantines started in 2023. The one involving the towel fruit fly came in July, followed by the Oriental fruit fly in September and the Mediterranean and Queensland fruit flies in October, although the quarantines encompass 1,248 square miles. It's unclear why California has seen increased detections of fruit flies, though agricultural officials agree the smuggling of contraband fruit harboring fruit flies remains a main culprit. Godwin noted that when travel was vastly restricted during the pandemic in 2020, the number of pests and interceptions at ports of entry went way down. This strengthens the theory that invasive pest finds are related to international travel and people illegally bringing in prohibited items. It's shocking the amount of fruits and vegetables and meats taken away from passengers going through customs, said Michelle Thalm. Deputy Agricultural Commissioner in Santa Clara County. I've been there for just one day, and they had a mountain of fruit, and that's just the stuff that they caught and took away. With the recent spike in pest detections, Thom said she thinks there may be other factors, such as shipments coming through the mail, that are purposely misidentified to evade inspection. Last year, two women from San Jose were charged with illegally importing the tropical fruit Langstat that was heavily infested with fruit flies. Historically, California pest quarantines have tended to occur more frequently in residential areas, and the current ones are no different. But the location and scope of the quarantine, type of pest, number of detections, and time of year could impact farms and crops differently. In Northern California, many crops that can host fruit flies are not yet in season. Fruit flies do damage by laying eggs in the fruit The emerging larvae then feed on the fruit, making it inedible. Thom said the Santa Clara County Quarantine is an urban area centered around the city of Santa Clara and larger growers. Thankfully, didn't get caught. Likewise, there are no commercial farms involved in the Sacramento County Quarantine, said Kevin Martin, the county's deputy agricultural commissioner. For host crops inside the quarantine zone, the U.S. Department of Agriculture requires growers to treat them the entire life cycle of the pest, or 30 to 130 days, depending on the time of year. The warmer the weather, the faster the flies move through their life cycle. Growers outside the quarantine could choose to start treatments preemptively in case more flies are found and the quarantine expands. Agricultural commissioners in the affected counties said that there have been few farmers who have opted to start pre-quarantine treatments. Brian Gresser, who operates Santa Maria-based Central West Produce, a berry grower, shipper, and marketer, has been trying to work through impacts of the quarantine in Ventura County, where he has strawberries and blueberries. On his strawberries, Gresser said that he had started treatments before harvest, so he easily met the 30-day requirement and has been able to ship his crop to market. But the treatment duration had grown to more than 90 days by the time his blueberries were ready for picking. His only option now is to send the fruit to the freezer market, which pays $0.90 a pound compared to $9 a pound as fresh organic or $5 a pound as fresh conventional. He said he expects to lose more than $2.5 million in revenue and won't be able to sell into the fresh market until sometime in March, missing the most lucrative early season. This is the best the market has been in a long time for blueberries, he said. Ventura County blueberry grower Josh Waters, who's also in the quarantine zone, said he can't afford to send his fruit to the freezer because of the high cost of handpicking his crop, which is about two months behind this year. That means he was able to treat early enough before he started picking and he's been allowed to send his crop to the market. He said other affected growers have not been able to ship product and could potentially go bankrupt due to the quarantine protocols. He expressed concern for the unpicked fruit left in the field, which could attract more flies. USDA has dedicated an additional $103.5 million to fund invasive fruit fly programs in California and elsewhere, but that money is for eradication, management, operational, and outreach efforts, not for quarantine-related crop loss, according to Steve Lyle, spokesman for the California Department of Food and Agriculture. The quarantines have also affected vendors and shoppers at farmers markets. Eric Downs, Deputy Agricultural Commissioner in Riverside County, said markets inside the quarantine can remain open if all host products are sourced from outside the quarantine and safeguarded while inside the quarantine zone. The quarantine zone is largely residential, but it's also in what's known as the historic Greenbelt area, with some 200 confirmed commercial farms and nurseries, he said. The county's four packing houses all fall inside the quarantine and there are no available export markets for them currently, he said. Impacted crops are largely citrus fruit at this point, with about 20% of the country's citrus grown within the quarantine. In San Bernardino County, more than 2,100 acres are affected by the quarantine, with 2,000 of those acres in citrus, according to Sarah Millar, the county's Deputy Agricultural Commissioner. Other impacted crops include avocados, persimmons, stone fruit, and tomatoes. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey notes some of the weather impacts associated with a recent series of heavy rains in Southern California.
2: Some of this storminess has come at a price and especially for Southern California and parts of the desert Southwest, we have gotten hammered with too much rain and some high winds as well. And that has led to significant flash flooding and debris flows in Southern California and now extending into parts of the Southwest. Now, the hardest hit areas, Southern California, including some of our major metropolitan areas like Los Angeles, where we've seen rainfall totals in some areas of LA picking up more than 10 inches of rain just during the first five days of February. We're not quite done. The system will wind down during the mid to late week period Amounts are going to be a little bit lighter than what we've seen in early February, but still there is the potential for additional debris flows and mudslides as soils are completely saturated across this region after anywhere from 4 to 10 plus inches of rain in just the last week.
0: The recent increase in milk futures has turned traders more friendly to the market. Price increases have been short-lived, keeping the overall attitude of the market bearish. That seems to have changed, but not without some caution. Milk production has been running below a year ago during the second half of the year, but finished the year at nearly the same levels as 2022. Concern may be increasing over future milk supply as farms continue to exit the dairy business, and the supply of dairy replacement heifers has tightened significantly. However, it does appear that the cows are moving from farm to farm rather than going to slaughter. Dairy cattle slaughter in December totaled 224,700 head for the month. This was down 5,000 head from November and down 41,600 head from December 2022. This was the lowest monthly slaughter since May 2021. Cow slaughter has not increased as much as anticipated due to the low milk prices. This may not change as a tighter heifer supply will keep cows in demand. Cow numbers are lower than a year ago, but milk production per cow for the year is higher than the average last year. The biannual cattle inventory report showed the number of milk cows on January 1st at 9.358 million head. This was down 41,000 head from a year ago. Replacement heifers totaled 4.059 million head, down 15,000 head from a year ago. This puts the percentage of heifers to milk cows at 43.4%, which was on par with last year, with both years being the lowest level for January since 1998. This ratio is expected to tighten further over the next few years. The buyers of dairy products may be looking at this and have decided to be proactive and purchase some supplies earlier at a lower price, which has resulted in the recent increase in prices. It is a period of the year during which demand tends to be slower, which may limit upside price potential. If demand improves and inventories decline during the first half of the year, it could set the stage for higher prices later in the year the strength of dry whey has provided strong support under the class 3 market most of the attention on the cash market has been on butter and cheese while dry whey has slowly increased with the price now back to the highest level it has been since june 17th 2022 the increase in the price of dry whey over just the past 3 weeks has added about 62 cents to the class 3 price butter is expected to remain stronger than cheese which will keep class For milk prices significantly higher than class 3 prices. Butter prices could be more explosive as the year progresses if export demand begins to improve.
1: 2023 was a year that saw multiple challenges for the wine grape industry, including but not limited to labor availability, high costs, fluctuating demand, pest and disease. However, many are bullish on 2024, including Natalie Collins, president of California Association of Wine Grape Growers, who we caught up with at the recent Unified Wine and Grape Symposium in Sacramento. While she sees opportunities in the future, she reflected on what the industry learned last year.
3: 2023 was a challenging year. We are really building off of you know a lot of years with natural disaster. 2020 we had a lot of wildfires. Uh, 2021 we saw frost. We saw some flooding. 2022 we had excessive heat waves and the height of hard. In 2023, we had a very large crop, however, the demand overall has really just, it's very sluggish right now for wine sales. If you see any headlines, you know, in news media across all news uh, wine sales are sluggish people simply aren't drinking as much and that obviously correlates back to demand for California wine grapes so in 2023 we saw a heavy crop but we saw a lot either get rejected at wineries for uh, you know it could be rot it could be mildew it could just be the lack of need from the winery Um, and then we saw a lot of fruit that simply didn't find a home so right now we are in an oversupply in the wine grape market um, and that's a lot of what was talked about this morning at the state of the industry session Thank you.
1: the cat In 2024, the industry is still looking at similar concerns to 2023.
3: Last year really was an eye-opening time where there were growers that did not end up finding homes for their fruit, so we are having to pivot. Uh, This morning we heard numbers like California as an industry needs to remove up to 50,000 acres of vines to really get back in in balance with wine sales. Uh, But that obviously is assuming that wine sales may stay stagnant or the same and that might not be the case. Wine sales are decreasing, we might need to remove even more wine or even more wine grapes to kind of stay in balance. So a lot of the same wine market issues heading into this year. And of course, we never know what to expect with weather. Um, As I mentioned earlier, just that is that is always another factor that we are unaware of what, what could happen.
1: While some might adopt a bearish outlook on 2024 due to these concerns, others like Collins are more bullish and see these woes as opportunities for the wine grape industry.
3: This is a great opportunity for our industry to really unite to come together to unify and to tackle some of the problems that we are seeing together i mean this unified brings together the wine grape grower the wineries the marketers the associations we are all here collectively uh, trying to advance the industry forward and i think from some of the You know things that were brought forward in the state of the industry today. It's just a lot of opportunity for the future. And I think at COG, we'll tackle a lot of those, you know, how do we look at kind of the health claims that are being used in wine? How do we look at the oversupply? Uh, So at COG, we are taking these challenges as opportunities, and we look forward to kind of delivering progress in the year ahead.
1: You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Jallstrom.
0: USDA is making another round of emergency relief program payments to eligible producers for disaster losses suffered in 2020 and 2021.
4: Farmers today face unpredictable weather disasters plus very tight or non-existent profit margins. So when it comes to getting some sort of payment from the government. Literally every little bit helps. Zach Ducheneau runs the USDA's Farm Service Agency, and he says most producers who received emergency relief program payments, so-called ERP payments from USDA, for disaster losses suffered in 2020 and 2021, those will be getting a little bit more money from the program. Zach says the first round of payments were made with a 75% pay factor to make sure there'd be enough money to go around. There was. So, Zach says most producers will get some sort of extra help. He says check with your local Farm Service Agency office to make sure you qualify, but in general. If you received an ERP phase one payment for 2020 or 2021, you will receive a 3.5 percent payment on top of that. Meanwhile, enrollment continues in ERP for disaster losses in 2022. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture.
0: Some legislators say it's time to strengthen cybersecurity protections within the food and agricultural critical infrastructure sector by identifying vulnerabilities and improving the protective measures of government and private entities against devastating cyber threats on America's food supply chain. U.S. Representatives Brad Finstead and Alyssa Slotkin recently introduced H.R. 7062, the Farm and Food Cybersecurity Act. Food and farm security is a national security, Representative Finstad said in a release. With growing threats at home and abroad, it is increasingly important that we ensure our nation's agriculture sector and food supply chain remain secure. Senators Tom Cotton and Kristen Gillibrand introduced companion legislation into the U.S. Senate. America's adversaries are seeking to gain any advantage they can against us, including targeting critical industries like agriculture. Congress must work with the Department of Agriculture to identify and defeat these cybersecurity vulnerabilities. This legislation will ensure we are prepared to protect the supply chains our farmers and all Americans rely on, said Senator Cotton. In addition, the Secretary of Agriculture, in coordination with the Secretaries of Homeland Security and Health and Human Services and the Director of National Intelligence, must conduct an annual cross-sector crisis simulation for food-related cyber emergencies. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the Act Life Daily News Reports. I'm Haley Gilley from all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team.
1: Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry
0: leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Reports. I'm Haley Gilley from all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team.